Hello and welcome to the Dungeon Masters Guildhouse. Uh, this is a weekly podcast in which I, uh, Matthew Whitby, uh, sit down and chat with amazing creators all across the, the DMs Guild space. And this week, um, I'm honoured, as always, um, to be joined by Sadie Lowry. Thank you so much for taking the time. Hello. Thanks how, for having how, me. Yeah, no, how happy to have you on and stuff like that. I think, yeah, so I, I, it's, 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 I think it's the funny thing of where, what is it, I put out like a, a tweet saying I'd like to, you know, suggest to people to come on. And then I think privately, I, I approached you to be like, do you mind coming on? And that's when we had, <laughs> I think it was Steve come in and Steve, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, get Sadie, get Sadie. Yeah, it's like, what is it? Yeah, great, great minds think alike and all that. Um, but for people who may not, you know, know some of the stuff that you've, you've done in the past, um, what sort of products are you known for on the DM Guild? Sure. So I am known for a couple of Eberron adventures, uh, A Darkness from the Stars and Deathless Skies of Sire. Uh, I think more than that, people probably know for the adventures Domestic Handbook, um, which was led by Lydia Van Hoy. I was um, one of the writers and the editor on that, along with Lydia. Um, and I think that's sort of what's kickstarted my name getting out there, maybe. Um, but yeah, I'm known for adventures, um, supplemental material. Um, it's hard to say, you know, what people know me yeah. for. So I like to think that I'm known for very role play focused material, right? That they, that my adventures give lots of role play opportunities and that the adventures domestic handbook is about bringing role play and community to the table. I may also be known as that weird person in the creator's lounge who keeps talking about editing and like grammar <laughs> rules. I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, as I say, I think uh, it was, it was not too long ago where there was a, a particular, um, I was about, again, to call it Iran is not, is not nice. It's like, it was, it was so insightful, but it was, it was like, you're clearly passionate about editing. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I think that's, that's the only thing that came across was like, wow, I mean, if I need an editor, I, I should probably get in contact with... <laughs> <laughs> I have feelings. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and funny enough, so I, 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 um, one of the mottos for this, this podcast is definitely um, hire an editor. And I think, I think was it, there's, there's probably some interesting conversations that we can sort of have there. Um, mm -hmm. But before I get too deep into that, um, what, was, what was your first product? And like, how long have you kind of been on, on the DMs Guild? Uh, not very long, actually, um, which is mind-blowing when you think about it. Um, I, yeah, <laughs> so I've been here since last fall. Uh, I think it was November. Mm -hmm. I don't remember. So uh, the first, the fall RPG Writers Workshop call went out. I ran to my best friend and I went, do this with me, do this with me. <laughs> um, and we signed up not even realizing how big of a world of creating was on the other side. We just went, yeah, let's make an adventure. Um, so my first adventure was published, and I remember this very specifically, December 14th last year. Um, nice. So I've been here, it's June, what, seven months? Six, seven months now? Um, and uh, it's been <laughs> crazy. It's been wild. So actually, one thing so I was going to say, so with um, Darkness from the Stars and the Deathly Skies of Sire, um, that was, again, both of them are set in Eberron. Was there anything particular that sort of attracted you to that setting or just, you know, just made it like a natural place to start? That's a good question. So I think that um, <laughs> Laura, Laura, who's runner, is going to kill me for this. Um, <laughs> I... Uh, 
I originally thought of Eberron as like the steampunk setting, which is scandalous. <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> I think I think there's, 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 that, that's the, the one thing that I know. Like, if I ever wanted, like, you know, just poke at a, a, some, a writer of um, Eberron, it's just like, oh, you know, the steampunk one. The steampunk one, yeah. <laughs> I think, I think, what is Gears, it? I think, cogs, yeah. Yeah, what is it? The best way to call it is, is train punk. I think that's. <laughs> you know like, what? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, I feel it's it. a little a little closer, but um, but no, sorry, you were saying. <laughs> so um, when I first got started in the workshop, I think I was sort of panicking because I didn't feel tethered to anything. Um, because I most of my D and D content before that point had been completely homebrew. I mm-hmm. was running a weekly campaign. I mean, I've been running a weekly game every Thursday for two years at this point almost, but it's all homebrew and mm-hmm. I'm a player in another game, but it's all homebrew. So when they were like, pick a setting, pick something, I was like, I don't know what anything is. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of latched on to Eberron as like, okay, I can understand steampunk. I didn't actually understand Eberron, as you can tell. Um, but then the reason, so I did uh, Darkness from the Stars and because I picked a couple of uh, locations that sounded really cool, you know, the the observatory and, mm-hmm. you know, this, this mountain range. And then the Eberron community was so warm and receptive. That's the thing is I would keep creating for Eberron in a heartbeat and I might just because they are so receptive and willing to um take people in uh and so when i did deathless skies of sire it was we that one was mostly set in eberron again because the idea that amber and i had when we were creating it was we want a big airship leviathan fight (laughs) and there's no better place for that than eberron um so it's almost the both of them have sort of almost happened accidentally kind Mm -hmm. of coincidentally i've fallen into eberron but it's not a place that i'm unhappy to be it's I like being there. I wouldn't mind continuing to create there. Yeah, and I must admit, so I think, so funnily enough, I think starting as a Forgotten Realms author um, and sort of almost looking longingly at all the sort of Eberron writers have, <laughs> have, 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 you know, have, have talk about how amazing it is. And, and there, are, there are always parts of like, it's almost like, I feel like once I start writing for Eberron, I may not stop. <laughs> it's, 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 <laughs> yeah. But... But no, it's, it's one day. It's like, it's, it, it definitely is, is on my to-do list because there's so much, I think, that the everyone setting does right that yeah. the Forgotten Realms, you know, for being longer, I think, was it the fact that everyone is a slightly newer setting? I think, I don't, don't yeah. hope no one fact checks me on that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it sort of allows it to, you know, have, have slightly more, yeah, just, just, just nice, nice, nicer ideals sort of baked into the, the, the world building. Yeah, no, you should totally create more. See, I feel the same way about Ravnica. I know nothing. They're like I look longingly at Curse of Strahd products and Ravnica, yeah. and I'm just like a distant dream. Yeah, one, one day. <laughs> um, no, I, bet that's, I guess that is the thing. Is like it is it is intimidating to jump from setting to setting, um, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. because again, it, it, it's, it, I, I don't want to say baggage. Um, each setting has its own law. And, and history, a history, and, stuff and like that. not just current history, but past history that you you have to know and you have to engage with, and that's intimidating for a new writer who hasn't been here for forty years and hasn't been yeah. playing D and D since the dawn of time. And and I, I think again that that's what you know. I'm, I'm I, like you that I, I I run like a like a semi semi homebrew game, and it is always satisfying when you have that moment, just like 
I guess we just make it up. I guess, I guess we, yeah. have, we, have, we have that. We could just put something in there. Um, I can just do what I want. Yeah. No one's going to call me out on it. So, actually, so uh, well, actually, I do also want to pick up on something that you mentioned about um, when it comes to writing adventures about looking for, like, I guess, like key role play moments. Um, I, I think it's a. Do you have like? Do you, is there any sort of like system or like what's what 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 in your mind is like a standout role play moment? That's a great question. So when I talk about role play moments, specifically me, Sadie, mm -hmm. what I'm looking for is between characters and between NPCs, because I can guarantee you that when a lot of people think about their best role play moments, it's moments they've had you know, with NPCs or with other party members, you know, we take home character relationships and um, those are very, uh, how, how do I want to say this? Those can be just as sincere and genuine and as fulfilling as our day-to-day -day friendships if they're given the time to develop. So when, if you'll notice, I have those two adventures out mm -hmm. and then I have uh, one in an upcoming Studio Ghibli inspired anthology called Eyes Unclouded. And I was sitting back the other day and I was realizing in all three adventures, I have a section that basically just goes, go, role play, go information gather, go, go bond with these NPCs. And then in every single adventure, what happens with those NPCs changes based on what you do. So mm -hmm. you could, so it could very drastically change depending on the relationships that you develop with them. Um, I like the idea that the PCs should have the ability to influence the world around them, but not just in what they can defeat or what they can, you know, set on fire. Uh, yeah. I, I like the idea that they can change people and that by changing people and by inspiring or unseating people, even, you know, you can, you can change the world. I love that idea. So I, I guess the, the, my follow-on question for that then is just like it's it is hard to balance the essentially the branching paths of like an adventure mm -hmm. before it gets sort of unyieldy and then you have like seven <laughs> yes. s seven s subsections like well if this happens and this person's still alive but this person has this like um how do you how do you sort of navigate that to sort of still have like almost like a you know you you provide enough to give that free range but then. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I try to keep it a little vague, first of all, and I try to trust a lot to the DM, okay. which is, you know, I will never claim that my adventures are easy to run, mm -hmm. um, because I am giving a lot to the DM. I'm saying, you know, let's see, in my in my upcoming one, uh, I basically had to do that exact thing where it was like, there's this very pivotal moment where this NPC is supposed to do something but there's a very real chance that a one out of a hundred parties could convince them not to. And so I was mm -hmm. like, okay, well, here's your backup plan. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think the more vague you keep it and focus on pivotal moments. So mm -hmm. I'll say, you know, adjust the scene depending on their relationship with the NPC, or maybe this NPC will join them if they feel really good about them. I like to focus on pivotal moments and really vague suggestions and leave a lot of that in the DM's hands. Like, I trust you, mm -hmm. do your thing. Yeah, no, I think that kind of, kind of, because I suppose like a natural <laughs> way of sort of bringing branching paths together is to have focus points where everything sort of condenses down. And yeah, I think, what is it? So the, the, the way that I sort of tackle um, encounter design is very much the idea of like, okay, what makes this encounter unique or different? 
And sometimes mm -hmm. that is like just the, the sort of setting or sometimes that is just the, 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 the underlying like mechanisms of like this most, most like, I don't know, was it? I was writing like an encounter later today about a pirate ship that just gets dropped in a field somewhere. Um, which, which is, is that in itself is, is something new, and I don't know. Yeah, having, I love that. Yeah, it's, it's like how do you, how do you have a conversation with a bunch of pirates who were like five minutes ago in the ocean, and now yeah. that, you know and <clears throat> sort of navigate. So that that's kind of, no, but it's 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 interesting about the, the yeah, naturally have it putting, putting trust in the DM. I think again, I think you, when you begin to write adventures, I think there is the the balance of how much information do you need to how much can you leave leave vague yes um, yes <laughs> and and yeah it, it's a tough one to balance because i think in, in sometimes when you write an adventure you kind of almost have like a a prescriptive nature of like oh wait, essentially you're writing a novel that players can play through sometimes and it, you sometimes just need to lean back and be like okay no this is gonna we need to give agency we need to let you know the players sort of go through and mm -hmm. things yeah so one thing I do, so before, before we kind of begin to talk about your sort of creative process um, and, you know, where your ideas come from, I do, I do 100% definitely want to touch on um, the Adventurous Domestic Handbook, um, just because I, I, I think it is, it is it's such, well, one, it's a, it's a charming product, um, but I just, do you, mind, do you mind sort of just, just explaining kind of what it is? Like, sure, just... yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the Adventurous Domestic Handbook is uh, a lot of, it's a lot of things. Uh, it's a little hard to condense, forgive me. It's the ways that which you can bring family, romantic, and business and homesteading to your table. So it's a lot of family ideas and mechanics, a lot of romance, um, and then, but there's also business rules, right? So we have guidelines on how to kind of smoothly have your PC set up a business, or here's how much having a house costs and upgrading it if you want to really get into that, because you've got people who, you know, they've, they've played Stardew Valley. <laughs> they, they like building a farm. Um, and then it's, we've got rules on apprenticing. So if you want to take on an apprentice uh, from your family or from an NPC you've met, we've got rules for that now. We've got romanceable NPCs. Uh, so you can see sort of a variety of, like, I, I almost expect people not to read that section and be like, ooh, I'm going to drop that NPC exactly in my home game. And they might, and I would be thrilled. Like, if hey, if you romance Disra, I want you to tell me, okay? I have to know. You would just uh, like, at you on Twitter immediately. I just, I just... Yes, <laughs> tell me. <laughs> but um, I think what it gives is a really wide variety of ways that you can make these romanceable NPCs engaging and interesting they all have quests they all have desires they all have things that they'll say yes and no to they all have like this is my hard line and i i'm not going to get into a relationship if this is what you do mm -hmm. but they also all have things they like and so i think it's an inspiring section where you know you can t sort of take those ideas and start building more fleshed out NPCs for your table. And then we have a whole section on here are ways to use family members in ways that aren't just kidnap them and use them as hostages. Because yeah. that's, that's I think why players keep killing off their families is because they don't want the DM to be like, ha ha, I kidnapped your family. I, I think that's a funny thing because I think across a lot of the tables that I played at, and I must admit the, 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 the idea of a character who just has a family somewhere feels almost like uncommon. It's it's always like yeah. no, no one no one's just like oh yeah no I, I you know this is my w day job I take weekends off I'm back home 
like with my family. <laughs> this is yeah. like, I, I, I've got to be home soon because, you know. Um, yeah. But. So we've got rules for like whether you want to take them with you in your caravan or whether you want to just, you know, communicate with them on the regular. Mm-hmm. Because I know I had a DM who, so my first, my first character, I didn't kill my parents. Uh, she just ran away from home. Mm-hmm. And when I, when my character went home, my DM set up a really interesting moment with her father where it was like, he's definitely doing some really shady things. How do you feel about this? And that really opened my eyes to what D&D could be with mm-hmm. family members. It was like my character got to have these feelings and work through this relationship with her father and basically say, you need to earn back the right to be my father at this point and the dm was like all in on doing that he was like no yeah i let you down and i will you know i will make sure that i never hurt you like this again and that's a memorable moment and if if i if i can if i can help people have mm-hmm. those moments you know that's that's exactly why i'm here that's what the adventures domestic handbook is is how do we bring more of that home goodness to your table if you want it yeah i mean uh, yes it, it's all, all sort of optional content and and so you mentioned that so this was uh, this was originally was it lydia's idea um yes. and you came to both write and edit on the project um just so w- w- which which parts did you sort of take the helm on writing oh gosh okay so i made a lot of the npcs mm-hmm. uh i wrote several of the subclasses my mind is going completely blank. What else did I write? <laughs> I, no, I, it's exactly what when you when you I do? Once, once you get involved in like collaborations, it's all sort of out the window. Just I know, and it because I was the editor, I'm like, no, what do you mean? All of it was mine. Um, <laughs> no, I wrote a lot of the beginning and uh, the beginning information on family, mm-hmm. and I added to the section on romance. So a lot of the family stuff was mine um, because I felt really passionately about that. Like, okay how can we use family members in more engaging ways? Uh, and then I, uh, Sierra and Kayla both really handled, they like really dug down into the business and the homesteading, which is good because I don't have a head for numbers, <laughs> even a little. I went, yeah. oh, that's great. You do that. <laughs> I like that. I, I mean, that's, that's one of the, the benefits of, of group projects is the fact that, yeah, that's, that's people who just love numbers and you're just like, this is, this is a good pairing. I'm glad you exist. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, but no, okay, no, interesting. And, and then I guess being both a writer and an editor on a project, is that sometimes not a conflict of interest? <laughs> it is. Okay, it is. Because your editor brain, when you're, go- when you're going on to a project, right, your editor brain is like, all right, I know you love these words but we have to cut them. Yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but then it's the writer brain is completely different when an editor comes to me and goes, Sadie, I'm so sorry. I know you're passionate about these words, but I have to cut them. I'm like, no, <laughs> you can't, <laughs> please. So, so I, I take it. So it's, That's it's, my heart. <laughs> is, is, is it quite literally like that? So when you, you approach a product, either you, you are either in like your writer mind or like your editor mind, and you kind of have to almost separate those roles and be able to you know what? I, yeah, it's, it's very strange. Um, and, and I think they inform each other, mm-hmm. uh, but it's very different. It's two separate mindsets. When I'm writing, I'm going, what's the feeling and the theme and the, you know, how do I make this impact? I like to say, how do I make something punch? Yeah. Uh, you'll hear me talk about that. If you ever work with me, if I ever edit for you, or if you <laughs> ever write with me, you'll, you'll hear me ask, how do we make this punch? Yeah. Um, 
And then the writer brain has to come in and go, okay, I see all of that passion and great job. Now we need to organize it into something that's more coherent Mm -hmm. and easy to parse. And so it's, it's the writer mind is really excitable and passionate and ready and heavy hitting. And then the editor brain is very organized. It's very, let's, let's, let's I don't know. Like my mind goes to like when, when I do like, uh, well, almost like, you know, when you do sort of like self-editing parts before it goes off to the editor and stuff like that, my, my, my writer mind is almost like a costume party. And then the editor side is very much like a suit and tie. (laughs) 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 But, but but they somehow, they're both in the same office space. It's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, they have a decent working relationship, but you know. I do, I do think that being an editor, being a writer alongside being an editor makes me a better collaborative partner because I'm a really big proponent of if you're working with an editor and they go, I want to snip that section. I don't think it works. And you go back, I am a big proponent of you can go back to your editor. Mm-hmm. And I have done this before and I've had this, I've worked with an editor before. You can go back to them and you can say, I really like this section. This is what I want it to achieve. Is there another way we can do this? And so I think having that writer's mind sympathy of, no, I get it. I get your passion. I get get what you're saying. I know that you really want to convey something here. So cool. Let's work together. We'll use my editing superpowers and your writing passion and we'll find a better way to do this. and so it's, it is a bit of a conflict of interest, but I think that they can make each other stronger. They can sort of open a dialogue of what does the writer want to accomplish and how does the editor best suggest making that happen? Yeah, and, and actually was it to, to, to almost add on to that is like, I, as I did say, what was it? One of the me- messages of the podcast that I often drum home about is, is get yourself an editor. But I think as well is, is to paint it in the light that an editor doesn't just come in, go through the document, then leave. It, it, it should it should be like again the editor is essentially a, a collaborator and it it the product can only improve from ongoing conversations about why they're doing things. Um, obviously, there's moments where they they take out all the cans, of, of, <laughs> and that that one you don't really have a leg to stand on. You have to be like, yeah, no, I, I I'm sorry, that one slipped through. Um, but there's there's your passive voice. Yeah. I'm gonna kill it. I'm sorry, I can't help that. I'm just, I'm just so passive in no life. misplaced modifiers. I'm coming for them. <laughs> so, okay, so I, okay, so one last, one last question then is: uh, do, do you have any particularly um, editing pet peeves? <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, let me think. Editing pet peeves. You know what? Uh, yeah. Actually, I do. It is sentences that don't have that don't vary and that's just because that is so much more work on me to introduce flow like Mm -hmm. if you want so and this is not a knock on any writer i understand that sort of that getting flow in your brain is sort of a it's you have to work on it Mm -hmm. but if you hand me a paragraph and it says something like she went to the store and bought some bread she Mm -hmm. then went home in her blue car she turned on the tv that um the ability to develop flow is one of the best things you can do for your editor because i can go in and i can move your misplaced modifiers i can i can do a lot of things but if you hand me a sentence if you have hand me a paragraph and it has no flow i have to sit back and go okay (laughs) it's time to do some heavy lifting let's reflow this and there's a lot of rewriting that goes into that and that's 
maybe more than I think some editors would do, but that's me wanting to bring out the best, the best of your product because readers will notice stilted sentences. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you know, I think some editors would just proofread it and call it a day and go, well, that's their voice, but I don't want to do that. I want to bring out your best voice if possible. So vary your sentences, vary their length, vary their format, uh, make it flow, read it out loud. That's my big advice is read it out loud. And if you are boring yourself out of your mind or if it sounds stilted, mm-hmm. you probably need to throw some variety in there. Actually, what was it? So uh, funny enough, when I was um, working on a product with um, Justice, he told me that often he does like before uh, most, like most products is flat. He runs his entire book through a um, text-to-speak. Oh, um, that's clever. And, and then you listen to it back. And then obviously, yeah. as if, if a robot voice, you know, sounds, makes it sound weird or, you know, uh, that was how we knew when to sort of fix certain things. And um, it is, it's, it's slightly tedious, um, but as someone who's done a fair bit of transcribing, um, it's, 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 a, it's the same sort of process of just listening and then you're trying, trying to like pay attention to things that just don't, don't sound quite right. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's really clever, Justin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he's he's a smart, handsome, handsome man. Smart, <laughs> handsome man. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, moving on swiftly, segue. <laughs> you don't want to keep talking about handsome justice. I, again, it would be it would be the rest of the podcast. <laughs> um, so, we have to move on at some point. Yeah, we have to, eventually. Um, but no, so to to bring it back onto you then, and the, the, the to engage the writer side of your brain then. Less um, handsome, Sadie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's the other half of the podcast gone. <laughs> uh, what 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 would you say is is your sort of like creative process? And so like aside from when um, working for the um, the adventure uh, is it, what, the adventure uh, workshop, um, obviously yeah, the RPG was, writers was, workshop, RPG writing workshop. But with the other products since then, where sort of have your ideas come from? That's a good question. Um, I tend to. My creative process tends to be, I'm a very big thematics person and I'm a big feelings person. How does something make you feel? The punch. And so I tend to create create one pivotal, okay, what's the hook first? Mm-hmm. And so with Darkness from the Stars, it the hook was there is a mystery surrounding this mystical dragon. And then I built it from there with Deathless Skies of Sire, it was airship Leviathan fight. And then it all built from there. And with my Ghibli product, it's like, ooh, you know, um, wizard court politics intrigue. Uh, So I tend to take one very intriguing idea and then sprout that and then grow around it. Um, Because I think that people will feel that impact that you want if you start there. Mm And okay, so d- does that almost kind of bleed into your creative process then? So is, do you typically start with those sections and I, then work it? So yeah, like I, I tend to, <laughs> I tend to almost uh, maze around it, I guess. Yeah. I tend to work backwards. So I'll go, okay, we need to get to this airship Leviathan fight. What's the hook for that? Um, you know, how do we, where do we see the setting? Okay, well, how do we get there? Okay, well, how did the adventures get there? Um, with the mystical dragon encounter it was very much a okay you know i want to get here what are the processes and so my creative process is generally 
sit down. I think my creative process is to sit down and figure out three beats mm -hmm. first around which to create things. So with Deathless Skies of Sire, it's sort of start like the, you end with the Leviathan fight, mm -hmm. right? Your first beat is the first time you enter the Mornland and you realize exactly what you're dealing with. This and and that first encounter has sort of lays the world building seeds of your enemy. Mm -hmm. Everything up to that is just intro. But once you start to get the hints of who your enemy is, that's the first beat. Your second beat is the tower fight. And that's where your enemy comes in. And so I go, okay, first encounter, second encounter, climax. And then everything I build is from there. Okay, well, we've introduced our villain and now he appears. What else can we lay between these two to really build up to his uh, to his appearance. Mm -hmm. All right, now we have these two. What? How do we get from this encounter to this encounter and sort of build up to it? And that's, I think, a really great process to think about. Like, I love the idea of basically setting three stakes and then going, how do we make sure that by the time we get from A to B, we are ready for B's maximum impact? Okay, mm -hmm. now how do we get from B to C? what have we laid in between B and C to make C that much more impactful? Make it punch. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes back. You've got to punch him right in the... No, it's a, yeah, no, I, I, I must admit, so it's, 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 it makes, oh, sorry, let me get my words right. It's like the, the idea of having like three set pillars or like a, like a three, a three part story structure, or was it, I've heard of like the, the five by five rule. Um, which is, or, so it's like, I think it's like the, 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 that any core like story thing should take like five, five, sorry, any important quest should be split into five parts. And obviously you kind of have like the introduction and the end. Um, she was, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do some live Googling. Um, yeah, pull it up. I want to know. Five, 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 uh, D&D. &D. <laughs> Uh, well, that's, that was a bad, that, that, that was a bad Google. Um, no, I can't, I, can't, I, can't, I can't remember where I think. Uh, um, uh, I, mm, okay, I'm drawing a, wait, uh, one second. Uh, no, it's okay, take your time. Yeah, no, it's, it's more that, you know, I'm more, I'm always aware that the, um, uh, the, the listeners have to listen to, to me, me faff about with Google. Um, you know, I will, I will, I will find that at a, a, a slightly, in a slightly later date, but either way, it, it was generally, generally the idea that, um, and they used uh, like real world examples of like, like looking at Lord of the Rings about how like each sort of like yeah. middle beat and stuff like that can be sort of broken down into like five five main story chunks. Um, and uh, was it was it literally just like a, a gut feeling to have like these like for e the adventure to have like these three main beats, or I have been so I graduated with a degree in English, a minor in editing, and I have been writing since I was a child. Uh, and so a lot of that has, so a mixture of education. Um, I took a lot of creative writing classes. I took a lot of creative editing classes. I learned a lot about story structure and a lot of it is gut feeling. Um, at the same time, I mean, I was, I was in, I have distinct memories of sitting in middle school using my free period not to do my homework, but like intently writing Harry Potter fan fiction. Uh, my, my senses were honed uh, in a lifetime of very cringy creative writing. Um, but then I went to school and sort of, you start to understand 
how to break things down and how the world works. And like, if you're watching a movie, eventually I think after creating long enough, you start to sort of get a sense of like, oh, these are their beats. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, if you're reading a book, like, oh, those are your beats. Um, And so you and so you sort of get a you sort of get a sense for that rise fall rise fall mm-hmm. rise and but i i definitely did also learn a lot about that structure in english in my english classes and if you were to ask me about it i probably couldn't tell you there's a circle and it's like, like a the, hero's journey the threshold like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to breach the threshold and yeah. send them on their journey i don't i don't remember that so yeah. but i do know that in general you want like even if you don't abide by three beats what you sort of want to do is draw your characters into the mystery in very pivotal moments and you can have as many of those moments as you want i think Mm -hmm. well maybe not as many but you know you want to you want to let them free range and then you want to bring them back and then you want to let them roam and kind of discover some hints on their own and then you want to bring them back and then you want to let them go and dig their fingers into it and then you want to bring them back you don't want to punch them in the face with that ending and just go bam this is what we are building up to the entire time i think that makes really impactful storytelling is to seed it throughout the adventure Mm -hmm. and to kind of make sure that it follows an escalating line upward there's a lot that goes into into story creation um that you learn in classes like things like establishing the stakes i can't tell you how many times i'm editing something and i go back to the author and i go the stakes aren't high enough mm-hmm. you need to you need something to establish what the stakes are or the party's not going to want to do this um you know keeping them engaged driving them forward keeping a sort of goal in the distance a lot of that you learn on instinct just by watching movies what are what are the stakes why are they doing what they're doing and and then a lot of it you learn the terminology when you sit down in English class and they go, all right, here's the hero's journey. This is the instigating event. You go, oh, that's what that's called. I guess we do have to have Frodo leave the Shire, don't we? <laughs> he doesn't have to, but, you know, it's probably yeah. a little bit less engaging <laughs> if he just, you know, spends the first yeah. half of the film sat around. Yeah, no. I guess I'll go. Yeah, no, but no, that kind of, kind of makes a lot of sense. And it's always interesting to, to speak with <laughs> other creators and talk about the sort of the background that they come from. Um, so it, yeah, it it it, make, it makes a lot of sense of like looking at a lot of literature, how how it kind of feeds into making you know engaging engaging sort of, um, adventures. Um, and one thing one thing I did find is what is it? So uh, the a five by five adventure method. I have I found the page that I was on about. Um, basically, it is um, the uh, what is it? Explain how you can build a multi-threaded campaign featuring five interrelated plot points by planning your campaign on a five by five grid. So was it you have- Interesting. So essentially the plot being broken up into five full adventures and then you have each each sort of like within each grid, each adventure is broken up into five parts. And that's how, you know, so one thing maybe like find like a, a legendary sword. Um, so in one sort of chunk here, as I said, you can have a one or two major quests and three to four minor quests within like a five by five and then that's how you naturally um yeah i, I, I so i, I that's yeah. interesting and it's also the same same rule but like the the five room dungeon so again all you yeah. really need in a dungeon is is you know five vastly different rooms 
Um, okay. As, as I'll have to look that up later. I'm planning yeah. my next arc, uh, so. Yeah, I will. I will. I will. I will, I, will, I will send the link, and I'll make sure it's in the description of this podcast, so I don't leave leave the uh, the people uh, the Thank people you. hanging. Um, <laughs> look it up yourself. Yeah. So, going on from there, then. Um, so, do you have a particular favorite part of your writing process? Or? Uh, yes, I like. I like the initial concepting phase and I like just doing the bulk writing. Um, those are my two. Uh, I have a writing partner named Amber and that stage where we're just shooting ideas back and forth and concepting. I love that because that captures that energy. Um, and then I'm very much a, I like to get, I'm able to get words on the page and then those words inspire me to get more words on the page. And so sitting down and doing that bulk writing is always a thrill for me when I see all those threads in my head, just sort of finally getting woven into a picture, a, a tapestry yeah. that I can show people now. <laughs> so actually, so in the, in these sort of original um, concepts, say how, like, how, form like does it take like a, a skeleton of a document or is it still very free-flowing is it still very much like uh, a bunch of like separate word documents that eventually all <laughs> again um, like, sewn together in the tapestry at the end or is it is it you know a single we're trying to be more organized this time <laughs> we've got google docs we have a master sheet for our oh. current bestiary where we're collecting ideas um so we're, we're trying to be more organized now uh, i will not lie a lot of it a lot of my first organization was not great. Uh, <laughs> when you take the RPG writers workshop, it's like make a Pinterest board and, you know, make a, what is it called? A mind map and then create an outline. And I was like, I am not doing that. I have, it's all in my head. I'm yeah. fine. And then I sat down and I started writing. Um, I don't recommend that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, again, here's the thing when it comes to, like, you know, writing and stuff like that, is that, like, there's, there is no right way to do it and stuff like yeah. that. It is a case of, like, you know, what, what helps, you know, you get those, you know, concepts on page. And so you mentioned as well, so if, if, if I, so Amber joined you on the RPG Writer Workshop right at the start. Yeah. Um, and then you kind of sort of continue sort of almost co-writing ventures kind of, kind of throughout. Yeah. Um, how, how do you find the sort of collaborative writing process of, like, bouncing ideas off someone or... It's. I find it very helpful if you have the right person because, um, first of all, just so everyone knows, Amber is brilliant, uh, and she's uh, she's a little quiet, but you absolutely want her on your projects. She's brilliant, um, but she is she's the numbers person. So when you read Deathless Skies of Sire, and you're like, wow, this is a really cool story woven through where all these like lore details are are built in. That's me. Mm -hmm. When you get to the end and there's an epic Leviathan fight and there's the Leviathan and its limbs mm -hmm. and the airship and the tactics and all of the numbers, that's Amber. <laughs> uh, I can basically just go, hey, Amber, what's the coolest way to do this combat? And she'll go, I got you. Yeah. So I think that if you can find a writing partner who your personality meshes well with, but your creative processes complement rather than mesh, mm -hmm. well, no, mesh is still a good word, but your, your uh, so writing processes. It's kind of like, was it you cover for each other's weaknesses? Yes, yeah. exactly. I find that the ideal writing setting because I'm not going to pretend that I don't have creative weaknesses. And so that's why we collaborate in the creator's lounge is because we know we have weak spots i i can't lay out to save my life uh and uh but you know we bring in people who 
you know, kind of fill in those blank spots for us. I'm a very collaborative person just Mm -hmm. in general. So I will always find it really good and really valuable. Um, But that also kind of leads into like my least favorite part of the thing as well. Right, do my job for me. No, take it away, please. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) uh, it's, it's kind of interesting. I like collaboration, but my least favorite part of any project is always the part where you start going out and getting feedback and getting eyes on it and getting edits. And it's not for the reason you think. I don't mind being edited. I am an editor. I know it needs to happen. Um, But that feedback stage where you're getting everyone's feedback and like you're starting to get muddled and you start to lose that initial passion because you're bogged down on the details. That's Mm -hmm. really hard for me. Like when I, you know, we go through, we go to, like, let's just take Deathless Skies of Sire. Amber and I did that together. Um, and when we had to kind of bridge a couple of logical gaps and, you know, we were getting people's feedback and they were like, that transition doesn't make sense. That was really hard for me because mm-hmm. it's like, we lose that big feeling of, yeah, cool, airship, life and fight. Yeah. And now it's like, oh my gosh, what do you mean that there's a chance that this person would do something about what? <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, I, so I, no, I, I, I kind of didn't agree because normally when you're at that stage of getting feedback, the, the document's kind of done. Like, like yeah. it, 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 it's a complete thing. And it is that sort of thing of like, you know, uh, refining the edges. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, yeah, it, and sometimes when you get, um, was it differing feedback? And I guess as well, was it a lot of people when they read adventures, um, they, they, well, I, I do that. I come out from the way that I DM. Um, yeah. and there's, again, a, no, with no wrong way to play D and D there's, there's no wrong way to DM. And it's hard to, I guess, like navigate a product to be, you know, perfect for everyone. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think at some point we sort of, in the feedback stages, we have to accept that, um, we have, you know, we've had people where we've sent it out to them. They've come back and they've had feedback that works exactly for their tables and we go that's not what we're going for mm-hmm. i guess this isn't for your table i'm yeah. sorry yeah. <laughs> um we are we're doing a like one of our challenges right now is we're doing a a revamp of the deck of many things and we mm-hmm. want it to be very role play driven because mm-hmm. a lot of people are using milestone leveling these days which renders what a ton of the deck of many things completely useless yeah. And a lot of it is very random chaos. So we go, okay, well, how do we introduce role play moments? And we've sort of had to come to terms with the fact that at some point, we're not going to be able to please everybody. We're going like some DMs will want more specifics. Some just want the vagueness and then they'll go with it. Some people will love these big ideas. Some people won't. And at some point you just go, all right, we will release our vision of this role play driven of deck of many things and we will hope for the best. And that's, I love the feedback stage for refining my products. It's, I just don't want to get, I try not to get bogged down in it. I try not to, cause I'm a perfectionist. I want my product to be the best it can be. And so if you let me fixate on those details, it will never get published. Um, and so if, if I can push through that stage, refine what needs to be refined, but not fixate and stress, then my product will be better for that feedback stage. It's just a matter of not going like, ah. Yeah. I, I, so I think one of the best things I ever did when it came to like going through the, the, the play testing or the editing phase was um, kind of accept the fact that 
no adventure will survive playing at a table in, <laughs> in, in, uh-huh. yeah in, in that but like I, again it, it's and the, in, a, in an ideal situation they will they will play the adventure from start to finish as as you know I've envisioned it as you know the, the grand master of this world um, but realistically people are going to take your adventure and again they're probably already running homebrew campaigns so yeah. they're going to take what they can and uh, immediately they take about let's say 80% to then try and cram it into their world and it, 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 again, it, as, as, as long as the people at the table are having fun, uh, it's, 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 you can, you, again, I, I, could, I, could, I could go in extreme detail about where this band of goblins came from, or, or I could just say, they're just, they're just there. They've always been there. Just, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's where they've been. <laughs> you know, the important part is the fact that the goblins have bags of other goblins that they throw at each other. That's that's the punch. That's, yeah, that's the punch. That's, that's, that's a good punch. Yeah. I think it was actually. So speaking of goblins, my favorite thing I ever did was is um, I had a low level party against a um, against the giant, and the giant just had a bag of goblins, and that's <laughs> and that's that's what that's what the giant the giant would just throw them, and any any time any time the the giant missed. The goblet was just splat <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> it was, it was, uh, no! it was, it was so, so much fun. Oh, uh, that's chaotic. I love that. Yeah. Um, sorry, I just, you know, uh, me and goblins, we go way back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, no, you would just... get along with a, with a Kai. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure you've seen Death by Goblins. <laughs> oh, no, I have, was it? Yeah, I was, funny enough, I was actually Where's looking that? again earlier today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, so actually, so okay, so again, to make make the most of this opportunity of having both a writer and an editor, um, yeah. the favorite and least favorite part does are, do they slightly differ for when you're editing a project? Oh, good question. Uh, favorite and least favorite part of editing. Um, let's see. That's a great. I've never been asked that. <laughs> so awesome. Uh, I think. <laughs> As it was, I think I've, I've been doing for this like for 20, 25, 26 episodes now. I think, I think I'm getting right at it. I think I'm... Yeah, <laughs> no, you're doing good. Um, my least favorite part, there's always that stress in working with a new writer of not knowing their process, them not knowing my process. Mm-hmm. And there's actually, this is going to sound so stupid, but there's a lot of anxiety that goes into editing for a new author. Like... Are they going to take, you know, are they not going to like what I've done? Are they going to feel like I'm taking their baby away from them? Um, Are they, you know, are they, you know, are they going to kick up a fuss about my edits? Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, so that, that least, my least favorite part is going through the adventure for the first time, digging in, doing my thing and waiting for their response because that, petrifies me i i'll go do like an anxiety lap around my house like i'll just i'll just kind of no I, I, uh, I, I think i think that that kind of make, makes a lot of sense i think i'm, I'm kind of the same way when when i it's the same thing when, when i'm sending my work off to an editor for the first time it's the case of like, <laughs> I, like do I the anxiety every, lap <laughs> yeah every, i think everybody involved in either side of the project are having but it's it is a case of like for i imagine like as an editor coming in stuff like that, especially doing around yourself you know that how sometimes it can be a passion project and you don't want to, you don't want like, again, to, to get a project back covered in red lines of like, what, yeah. what are you even trying to say here? Or yeah. you know, whatever it I'll is. I'll always, 
I'll always tell people a lot. I'll be like, you know, when I when I work with a new writer, I'll say, look, I'm going to, I'll warn them. I'll go, I'm going to go in with a heavy hand, yeah. uh, potentially, depending on the writing. Mm-hmm. But if you don't like an edit or you want to ask me about it or you want to ask me why or you want a different solution, mm-hmm. please come talk to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm open to talking to. Um, I... I try to, uh, like I tr- before I edit anything, I try to do an initial read through and go, what's the, what are they going for? Mm-hmm. How does this all fit together? And then I go in and edit. My favorite part of editing any project is, is it really bad to say when an ed- when a writer goes, oh, that's a much better way to do that. No, no, um, no. <laughs> but here's the thing. You know, I keep saying, hire an editor. They make the product better. And, and that's just <laughs> further evidence of that. Because again, you, you, it, it's when you write a sentence to survive, it is you just getting out there and you can try and like put as much prose as you want into that sentence to make it pretty. If an editor can almost see through the, the fluff and just mm-hmm. see the skeleton and be like, okay, well, this, this leg should be here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, we need to take that leg. Yeah, that's, You've got it out of the rib cage. Yeah. It's... <laughs> I don't, again, I see what you're going for, but we really need to pull that out. <laughs> um, I, I like working with writers. I like that initial, so I like the initial discussion stage and I like the stage after they've had the chance to look at the edits. I love the discussion stages because mm-hmm. I like it when a writer brings their passion to me and goes, this is what I'm looking for, you know, okay, yeah, I see what you did with your edits. Um, I was thinking we could also do this, or I was thinking maybe we do this instead. I am not, I love those discussion phrases because they let me in on the writer's mind and they let me know what they want. And they, and a lot of times writers have ideas that I would never even think of. I remember going to uh, a writer and just being like, I don't really, I don't think this section is working for me. This is what my idea is. And that in writer, it immediately clicked in their brain. They went, oh, well, I could do this. And I went, no, that's better. Do that. Do do that. That's perfect. (laughs) Um, There's just something really lovely about collaborative creating. And so I'm never afraid to talk to a writer Mm -hmm. and just say, okay, let's let's, let's rearrange the skeleton. It's not working. What do you want to do with the arm? Should we put a robot arm on it? Yeah, I think it was as well to, 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 to latch onto that is like often uh, going through like the comments on the side of the document, sometimes like, again, uh, they're just like, oh, I would probably, you know, reword it like this. And the amount of times where I've just been like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm just going to copy. I'm going to paste. Copy, paste. That's yeah, great. <laughs> that's, that's, that's great. And so, and, and, and yeah, it, it, you know, it avoids the, you know, the, um, the 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 idea of like it's it's what it, again it it moves away from it being a solo project to it being a collaborative work in mm-hmm. at least for like you know solo writing adventures it's different when it's already a collaborative piece going in um, yeah absolutely yeah. no also, no I'm actually so I, I I'm I'm so glad uh, to actually like I I, I I again as an adventure writer I do like talking to editors uh, in, in on the podcast and more generally um, it's yeah it's, it's I find it always always super insightful. Um, and yeah, it's been a good chat. Um, and I guess to kind of round off your um, your writing experience, then also to a, like to a, to a part of all your editing experience, is there anything you kind of wish you'd learned earlier? Let's see. Uh, for me, it's definitely I I need to schedule better. I wish I had learned that better earlier. Um, 
please pace yourself. <laughs> you give everyone better work when you're not cramming yourself into every project under the sun. Um, but also, I think going back to just everything we've been talking about, I wish that I wish that I knew earlier and I wish that other people knew that collaborative creating is a conversation. And I wish that people knew that when I edit something, they can come to me. Or I wish that I knew, you know, when someone went back and edited my adventure, I wish I had sort of had the, the guts to go and talk to them uh, about it. I think that every, I think that projects are better when we're all communicating with each other and when we're all not afraid to go, I don't really love that can we, my work has a, oh, can I remember what it is right now? I might need to do my own Googling. My work has a, so I work for a book publisher and my boss lately has been really into this phrase called let's scramble it. What is yeah. that? I got to go see if I can remember what that means. Uh, well, I did it, was it? So uh, while you're doing that, I'll feel time slightly by saying that. No, no, I 100% agree. Um, funnily enough that um, I've noticed that over the course of the products that I've kind of been pushing out there. Um, I, I think I, I'm learning of like how I could have, again, in, in reflection, how I could have better navigated a collaborative project um, by not, by not necessarily holding on to holding on to the adventure with such tight claws. <laughs> like again, I, again, I, I'm, I'm involved in the project right now where it's, it's, uh, uh, you know, rather than just have a um, uh, myself and then just get an editor towards the end, it's, it's, it's myself and uh, like cutting up parts of an adventure to send off to other writers. Mm -hmm. um, and that conversation about like, you know, how each part sort of flows together um, rather than just me staring at, you know, a skeleton of a, uh, well, just a skeleton in general <laughs> of, of a document. Um, I've, I've, I've learned a lot. Um, and yeah. I think, again, it, it can only improve the things. And that's why I'm giddy to, you know, my products of the future to kind of come out soon. <laughs> yeah. But you, I'm looking but you, forward to your products now. They sound good. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you, you found the phrase? I did. Okay. So it's not scramble. It's scamper. Sorry. Scamper. Um, okay. Scamper. So um, my boss has a phrase and it's, how can we create and recreate awesome books, products, designs? And she goes, we can scamper it. Scamper stands for substitute, combine, adapt, magnify, modify, put to other uses, eliminate, rearrange, and reverse. So she goes, and, and so her philosophy is, if you have an idea and it's not quite right, mm -hmm. you know, there are so many times when I've gone to our acquisitions meeting and I've pitched an idea and we go, that's not right for our accounts or that's, you know, I don't really see how that's working for your targeted thing we try really hard not to throw anything out. And this is the philosophy I take to everyone I work with. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I encourage people to find an editor who does sort of the same thing, who doesn't go, no, we're gonna, we're just gonna, that's trash, huck mm -hmm. it out. Um, yeah. You want someone who's willing to converse with you um, because you, know, you can say, all right, what can we substitute? What can we combine? Mm -hmm. Like, can we, you know, can we, can we blend or create an assortment? Can we adapt? Can we magnify? Big ideas are fun. So what can we exaggerate? Uh, what can we increase the frequency of? Can we go for a dramatic extreme? What can we modify? Does, is there just something that needs to be pivoted a little? Um, can this be put to other uses? If you have an idea and it's not working in the context you have it in, um, you know, is there a different context that you can give it? 
you know, can you put it to a different use? Can you eliminate something? Uh, can you, can you rearrange something? Can you just, you know, there are a lot of time, I, I think in Steve's document that I just edited, I went to him and I was like, I'm going to vastly just change the order of several of your sections. And he went, yeah. okay. <laughs> um, no, I mean, can I, we... I say on, on a surface level, that's, that's a powerful acronym. That's, yeah. That's, that's a doozy. <laughs> yeah. And then reverse. Um, I remember on, on Steve's project as well, uh, he had two characters written uh, two different ways. And I went to him and I went, you know, these are a little stereotypical for one was a male, one was a female. And I went, can I just pivot these two? Like, mm -hmm. can we make, can we make the guy the one who's totally image obsessed and mm -hmm. like super vain? And can we make the girl the, the one who's like totally willing to push you down a flight of stairs? Yeah. Um, and he went, yeah, that's really good. <laughs> um, there's, um, so I am firmly of the belief that there is nothing that needs to be immediately thrown out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you're, I mean, when you're collaborating with someone, scamper it. I have to say, another thing that I've been, like with, with a lot of, um, again, products on the Indian's Guild at least, I mean, we're not really working to a strict page count. <laughs> so, I mean, we, like I said, no. we, have, we have that freedom to, you know, to, to play around. Um, mm -hmm. The only time is, I suppose, when it comes to layout, where sometimes you get those pesky, pesky stray sentences. Widows <laughs> and orphans. Yeah, um, but but no, no, that's that that again. So that that's further evidence of like you're obviously taking what you do in like your day to day life and and just making it a hundred percent applicable to you know editing when it comes to like on the. I feel, again, I, I feel like I, I need to I need to need like scamper on like an A like an A three poster. <laughs> make a big. Yeah, I, just, I need yeah. a big and just in front of my desk. Uh, I think probably, <laughs> No, it's really good for when you're in a rut, like when you're just like, you know, we'll be sitting there and, you know, we'll be like, this cookbook idea doesn't work for this many reasons. And mm -hmm. my boss will go, then scamper it. And then you just immediately see people's gears turning. You're like, they're like, okay. Yeah. Because well, it almost feels like, again, it's almost like a flow chart because you have like so many different steps that you could do that chances mm -hmm. are like one or two of them are, is going to be a solution. Yeah. Uh, magnify is one of my favorites because you know I, I've told you I, I focus on big ideas and so if if I go all right this adventure isn't working with me for me the way that it is what can we magnify yeah. right I love that um, I love substitution I there are a lot of things uh, combining mm -hmm. you know that phrase kill your darlings yep I'm sure you do um, <laughs> I find that one of my favorite things to do is not to necessarily kill the darling, but to combine the darling. So, so if you have two NPCs and you go, you don't need both of these. They're mm -hmm. taking up too much space and you don't need both of them. My brain immediately goes, well, why can't one NPC do both jobs? Yeah. I well, love to I'm, combine combine the darlings. Yeah, it kind of ends up with like slightly more multifaceted characters. You know, yeah, to serve more than one purpose. It's not like oh, that's the quest giver, and let's go to the tavern owner. It's like <laughs> <laughs> exactly, um, or like you know, and there's so many different fun combinations you can make with that. Like you know, you have. I can't think of an idea off the top. Yeah, of it, actually, uh, but <laughs> no. In fact, it's like, was it? You've been, you, you've been, been so insightful in giving out advice. I think again at this point, it's you're giving too much. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. If, if people haven't already hired you by the end of this, like again, I don't know what else, what else we could do. 
But no, honestly, no, that's that, that kind of like, again, it, it's, yeah, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, it's like every, everything. Um, and I'm trying to find a more natural way to segue into looking to the future. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to use just that. Unnaturally segue. Yeah. You're just going to pull out a schedule. I don't, I don't have good sentence flow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's um, why you have me. Yeah, no, it's, it's, like, I need you, I need you like in here for like future podcasts. <laughs> I'll be the, yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, so I guess, uh, so, uh, I, I, you know, I'm going to sh- sh- shake the order up just a little bit. Um, but, okay. All right. Um, keeping it within the DMs Go community then, um, you mentioned that obviously you, you work alongside Amber in a lot of products and, um, you've been involved in sort of collaborations. Um, but is there anyone or an, any, like any multiple people, uh, in the DMs Guild that currently, currently inspires you? So I... You sent me this question and this one has been hard for me because I, I don't want to sit here for five minutes and name every name of everyone I've ever loved. Um, yeah. But so um, I'm very currently inspired, first of all, by Laura Herzberner, um, because she is a she is the best example I have of how you can use what you have to lift other others up with you. Um, I would not be where I was without Laura, her constant encouragement, her constant support, her constant, Hey guys, look at Sadie, look at this cool thing that she's done. And that has totally taught me, you know, as people start to learn my name, how can I take some, how can I share some of my spotlight with people who are having a hard time getting noticed? Because I would not be where I am. Uh, if not for her um there and just the people who i see out there fighting the good fight giving people support um there's jess miss jess on twitter um just such a positive but also fiery uh person in our community um absolutely these are two people that i respect so much for their ability to just kick down the door and get going um no, I, I think uh, 100 like again um just just seeing uh, seeing the way they um was seeing seeing the way they, they respond to things on social media and stuff like that is they're people you want in your corner uh and exactly that that again it's it's their passion in their products and in just about yeah, anything that they're passionate about is is it, it's clear, and I think it's kind of what makes them stand out as as inspirational people. Exactly, uh, and I mean, you could say the same. There's Anna Gregerson, there's Eleanor, um, there's you, there's Adam, there's so many people. Um, like Anthony of Justice have both been very, very um, supportive and just handsome, you know, handsome so justice. Handsome <laughs> justice. He's been so encouraging. <laughs> It's so handsome. <laughs> um, you know, um, Ashton, like there are just, um, there are just so many people in the creator's lounge who are there for you and encouraging. And so, um, you know, I think the creator's lounge is just the best place to be because I, and the, the funny thing that I love about the creator's lounge is I think that they are the epitome of the scamper. Um, I think they're the personification because so many times people have gone in there and said, well, someone's already done my idea or I don't really see how I could do this to the, you know, to the power that someone else already has, or I just don't see how I can make this work. And everyone in there goes, all right, let's work on it. Yeah. What do you need? What, what questions can I answer? What can I, you know, what can we change? What new facet can we give your product? What advice can we give you? Um, the ability that this community has to go, no, 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 don't drop that idea. 
let's scamper it. I yeah. think that is a such an amazing thing. So mm -hmm. thank you to everyone out there who is out there encouraging new creators to, you know, to chase their ideas and to not be afraid of that initial rut. Yeah. And I, I think, yeah, to sort of almost add on to it is, 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 yeah, from the Discord to Twitter alone, um, the, 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 the speed in which, like, collaborations for, like, start out of nowhere, from, like, throwaway tweets that you think are a joke yeah. to just someone saying, like, and people just, again, it, it, next thing you know, there's a team and there's a new, like, there's a new Discord where, like, people are, like, working <laughs> on, the, on this project. Um, yeah. So, no, it, it's, yeah, it, there's... There's no, ex again, and things with like the RPG uh, Writers Workshop, there really is no excuse to not get involved if, if you're sitting yes. on, on, the, on the edge of things looking in. Um, it's, yeah, it's, mm -hmm. it's a doozy, doozy of a community. Um, yes. Uh, get Ashley Warren in your corner. She is so encouraging. She holds monthly challenges. Um, and through every challenge, she's like, what can we do to help you? What can mm -hmm. we do to inspire you? What can we do to get you back on the horse? She is fantastic. Yeah, no, I must admit, so that's the thing, I, I think it's the classic case of like, um, it's the, I, again, I, I can't, I, I struggle to point to people like uh, anywhere other than the RPG Writer Workshop for like trying to get started. Because I mean, it, it's, it, yeah. it, it is a complete package and the, the looking at like, again, I've chat, I've spoken to like a number of people who've come up through that now and, you know, had, you know, varying rate of like levels of success on the DMs Guild. So it just it just goes to show that you know it's it's that, that it's a curriculum that is teaching people for you know success. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Damn. Nice. So no, again, oh, I've got I, again those questions always uh, leave me with the warm fuzzies. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so to to bring you inspire me. Ah, oh, oh, shucks, you gonna. My, if I didn't, I didn't, if I didn't have a beard, I would be blushing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to, to, uh, to bring it back around to you then, uh, you kind of touched on this with the um, uh, Studio Ghibli start stuff. Um, but I'm going to kind of merge the questions together in that. Um, is there anything that you're currently working on at the moment? And do you kind of have like a dream project that's kind of off in the, just the horizon? Yeah. Okay, so what I'm, cur I'm currently working on a lot of things. Um, I have, I, I told my friend, I feel like I'm treadmilling right now, you know, I'm just running and eventually these projects will get published. But so I have that role play driven deck of many things. Mm -hmm. I have the studio Ghibli project um, that is eyes unclouded that should be coming out sometime either late July or sometime in August. So I'm really excited for that one. We've got a really good team. Um, Amber and I are working on a bestiary, a themed bestiary. Um, where we are trying to give a lot of lore behind the monsters and thus multiple ways you can sort of tackle them. Because mm. um, I think it's it would be, I think it's really interesting to say, well, yeah, you can fight this creature, but what if you can also dig into its story and mm. maybe defeat it or save it another way? Um, so that's really exciting. We have vague ideas uh, for a supplement that deals with spell casting, but that is very early ground. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so those are sort of my, my three biggest projects right now. I want to get back into another Eberron adventure at some point. I'm waiting for that lightning bolt idea. Mm -hmm. I'm waiting for my big punch uh, to, to get in there. Um, 
but those are the three big ones. Uh, and then I'm on a, oh, and then this, oh, this was announced. I can say it. Um, I'm working on a collaboration with Anthony Justice, uh, MTB, um, Loris, uh, Laura, Gordon, uh, Marco. Um, I'm not going to say what it is. You'll have but, to wonder. But it, it, it's, it's been announced in some, some capacity. Oh, Celeste. Celeste also just joined us. Celeste Conowich. Um, that again, every every sort of like Anthony and, and Justice, that they they are they are getting some star-studded teams together with was it Elminster's Guide to Candlekeep? And... Yeah, yeah. If you liked Elminster's, you're gonna like what we're cooking. Ooh, hot damn! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but but then no, amazing. And then and then so I take it so the the quote-unquote dream project then is just keep that treadmill oh, going. Right. <laughs> right, 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 right. Okay, dream project. You did ask me that. Um, I actually, um, I have a couple of ideas, none of them are cemented, but I would like to either. So um, a, a campaign setting is Ooh. kind of a distant dream, like mm -hmm. being able to say, here's a world, go play in it. Yep. Um, I would also, I have a very distant dream eventually of kind of doing a sort of across Eberron type deal where mm -hmm. I can you know, concept and idea, bring together a stellar team, and we do a series of themed publications. I think that that would be so fun to lead, so fun mm -hmm. to bring people's ideas in on. Um, and I'm just sort of waiting for the perfect idea of, okay, well, what would I actually lead? But that just sounds so, so inspiring to me to yeah. be able to get minds together and start cooking something like that. And, so and it, it kind of touches on the idea of, you know, um, bringing people in and, you know, bringing everyone up together. I mean, yeah. that, that, that a, a series of ventures is a great way to, you know, have established creators and new and upcomers engage in like a, a huge product, which can smack, like, again, the across everyone yes. thing is, is baffling. <laughs> I know. <laughs> across everyone is amazing. Or um, the, what's it called? Amarines. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, that like that is such a cool project as well. I know that the people who've worked on it have really enjoyed it. Yeah, as, as one of them. Yes. You did. <laughs> yeah, oh. Yeah. yeah. Which, I, you, which I, one did you do? So I was uh, I was one of the I was the first published Amarines adventure. So I was no the, the start and end of Uluth 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 the lot again. It's 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 a weird a weird plant demon thing. Uh, I can't pronounce it. Okay, all right. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I will have to go check that out. Start and end. Um, nice. No, awesome. No, so, again, it's 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 it's. I do like hearing about you know things off off in the future because when they do eventually scroll past my Twitter feed, I feel like I had like an insider scoop. <laughs> like, <laughs> I knew about that ahead yeah. of time. I'm I'm, I'm in. Um, no, um, honestly, uh, thank you so much for taking the time, um, Sadie. This has been this this has been an amazing chat. Um, again, not yeah, uh, so We fun. are coming. Like, I think we we have run just just a smidgen over. Um, but that's you know that's how these things go. Um, the last so the last and most important question is is Ofki, I've had your like your Twitter handle on screen, um, but the people mm -hmm. listening, uh, if you know if they they're not and uh, if the audio only listeners uh, kind of want to hear about your work and you know stay up to date with with this exciting things that that you know the the spellcaster things and other things that we 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 can't quite talk about, but the more <laughs> the mysterious <laughs> yeah, things, the, the mysterious things. Where, where would be the best place to keep up to date with all that? Um, so Twitter is a great place, um, and that is, <laughs> I will change it someday, it's um, 
at incandescent, but it's because I like artsy words, um, but it's spelled, the ending is, it's like incandescent. There's a little A hidden in there. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, it's artsy and yeah. no, interesting. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's like that was, you can always, um, like that, it's, 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 it's weird how quickly on Twitter you look for handles more than the actual, like. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, that's the best place to keep up with me. Um, you'll see picture, like you'll even see pictures of me. I wanted to show you. Um, I never got the chance no. um, because we didn't talk about anything spooky, but my husband got me this moon for my birthday and it gives out a red light and Whoa. I was going to be super spooky. Is it, is it, um, so is it like, is it flat or is it like a whole sphere? It's a whole sphere Whoa. and I can change its color. Um, so if you want to keep up with me and my new moon, my, <laughs> my, creepy, my creepy moon picture. I, I, mean, I was surprised you didn't just have it kind of on your lap in a red ominous glow. And I would have just like... I, I should have. Yeah, this whole time I was waiting, like, that's a weird glow, but I, re it's, I shouldn't say anything about it. It's probably... <laughs> yeah. If you, want to, if you want to keep up with me and my new, my new very creepy moon, uh, follow me on Twitter and I, there will probably be adventures and supplements that come with it. Nice. I, I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be refreshing Twitter after this podcast to, 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 <laughs> to see when this is like. <laughs> so I have 499 followers right now. So oh, maybe oh, let's... one of your lucky listeners will be follower 500. <laughs> I, I, I suppose here's the thing, was it? Uh, the unfortunate thing being, obviously, it's we're recording this at, on the weekend <laughs> and it's not going to come out. This will so, publish and I'll yeah, already be over 500. You're probably already on 600. Let's, you know, let's, <laughs> let's aim for the moon. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, yeah, thank you so much for joining. Um, uh, yeah, like I said, I, I've been Matthew Whitby. Uh, you can find me at Whitby Writes on Twitter. Um, final question then, uh, before, before we end. Um, Sadie, how, how do you end a podcast? <laughs> it's a joke. Oh, it's, have you got anyone? Like, <laughs> uh, 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 yes. Um, oh, shoot. Oh, it just went, okay. Um, um, <laughs> I can't tell that one on there. Um, <laughs> in fairness, we have. Okay. okay. My, um, well, okay, there's always, um, you know, my science puns are so bad that you might as well just take them out and back and bury them. Uh, um, <laughs> you know, that's